Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This will be for section 136. I'll read the heading first. The word and will of the Lord given through President Brigham Young at Winter Quarters, the Camp of Israel, Omaha Nation, on the west bank of the Missouri River near Council Bluffs, Iowa. Just a little background on this one. This one has to do with the exodus of the saints from Nauvoo to the west. As early as 1834, the prophet had told the saints, I want to say to you before the Lord that you know no more concerning the destinies of this church and kingdom than a babe upon its mother's lap. You do not comprehend it. It is only a little handful of priesthood you see here tonight, but this church will fill North and South America. It will fill the Rocky Mountains. There will be tens of thousands of Latter-day Saints who will gather to the Rocky Mountains, and and there they will open the door for the establishing of the gospel among the Lamanites. This people will go into the Rocky Mountains. They will there build temples to the Most High. They will raise up a posterity there, and the Latter-day Saints who dwell in these mountains will stand in the flesh until the coming of the Son of Man. The Son of Man will come to them while in the Rocky Mountains. That was written by uh, Wilford Woodruff. M. Russell Ballard said, The pioneer exodus from Nauvoo, Illinois, began February the 4th, 1846. Nearly four years earlier, in August of 1842, the prophet Joseph Smith shared his foreknowledge of the trek west. I prophesied that the saints would continue to suffer much affliction and would be driven to the Rocky Mountains. Many would apostatize. Others would be put to death by our persecutors or lose their lives in consequence of exposure or disease. And some would live to to build cities and see the saints become a mighty people in the midst of the Rocky Mountains. Life isn't always easy. At some point in our journey, we, we, may, feel such, we may feel much as the pioneers did as they, as they um, crossed Iowa up to our knees in mud, forced to bury some of our dreams along the way. We all face rocky ridges with the wind in our face and winter coming on too soon. Sometimes it seems as if there is no end to the dust that stings our eyes and clouds our vision. Sharp edges of despair and discouragement jut out of the terrain to slow our passage. Always there is a devil's gate which will swing wide open to lure us in. Those who are wise and faithful will steer a course as far from such temptation as possible, while others, sometimes those who are nearest and dearest to us, succumb to the attraction of ease, comfort, convenience, and rest. Occasionally we reach the top of one summit in life, as the pioneers did, only to see more mountain peaks ahead higher and more challenging than the, than the one we have just traversed. Tapping unseen reservoirs of faith and endurance, we, as did our forebears, inch ever forward toward that day when our voices can join with those of all pioneers who have endured in faith, singing, All is well, all is well. James E. Faust said, In every, foot, in every future footstep will fulfill prophetic vision concerning the glorious destiny of this church. Richard Draper said, As the spring of 1847 approached, there was need for a formal pattern of organization for the companies which would make the move to the new home for the Latter-day Saints in the West. Much time was devoted to this uh, to this matter. 
thought upon it finally so crystallized in the mind of Brigham Young, said B.H. Roberts, that on the 14th of January, 1847, at winter quarters, he was prepared to announce the word and will of the Lord upon the march of the camps of Israel to the west. Years before, Joseph Smith had instructed some of the brethren on the principles of receiving the mind and will of the Lord. To that group he had stated, it was necessary to have our minds on God and exercise faith and become of one heart and of one mind. Then he turned the attention of the group to receiving a revelation. The result was section 88 of the Doctrine and Covenants. This revelation was given over the course of three days. Just how it was received is not noted in the, in the minutes, but it seems that time was necessary to get it in final form, and more than one hand was responsible in its final preparation. So too it seems to be with the reception and recording of section 136. On the 14th of January, 1847, Brigham Young met with a number of the leading brethren, they discussed the best methods for organizing companies and who should be responsible. After the discussion, Brigham Young to give the began to give the revelation. This took most of the afternoon and evening to complete, with a number of people assisting in the production of the final form of the, of the revelation and also enjoying the endowment of the Spirit which accompanied the manifestation of the Lord's will. The next day it was decided to read the revelation to members of the church in the various locations. Individuals <clears throat> were assigned to take it to the camps. The urgency felt by the leaders to get the, the revelation out to the saints is indicated by the fact that <clears throat> though the temperatures ranged from below zero, men mounted back buckboards and horses, taking copies to be read to their assigned camps. The response was excellent. <clears throat> B.H. Roberts said, Meantime, the serious business of preparing for the continuation of the march into the wilderness, the completion of the exodus from the United States was not neglected. It was considered in many council meetings of the presiding authorities. It was the chief topic of conversation and of discussion wherever two or three were gathered together. Thought upon it finally, so crystallized in the mind of Brigham Young that on the 14th of January, 1847, at winter quarters, he was prepared to announce the word and will of the Lord upon the march of the camps of Israel to the west. Verse 1, the word and will of the Lord concerning the camp of Israel in their journeyings to the west. With little more to clothe themselves in than faith known, known to their ancient father Abraham, his children assembled from the nations of the earth and readied themselves for their march into the wilderness. They sought a modern Sinai, the mountain of the Lord's house, where they too could hear the voice of God, the, of the God of Israel and be endowed with power. As the body of Joseph, son of Jacob, was carried from their ancient counterparts as they left Egypt, so they were led by the spirit of, of the man to whom Moses had committed the keys of the gathering of Israel and the leading of the ten tribes from the lands of the north. To him the Lord had said, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm." So it was that Brigham would become their leader and modern Moses, and to those who followed him the Lord said, And as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Therefore let not your hearts faint, for I say not unto you as I said unto your fathers, Mine angel shall go up before you, but not my presence. But I say unto you, Mine angel shall go up before you, and also my presence, and in time ye shall possess the goodly land. All that here took place 
had been known to the ancient counterparts of modern Israel who gave prophetic description of it. We cite the, the words of, of Jeremiah. For there shall be a day that the watchman upon the mount Ephraim shall cry, Arise ye, and let us go up to Zion unto the Lord our God. For thus saith the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob, and shout among the chief of the nations. Publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Lord, save, the, save thy people, that remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country, and gather them from the coasts of the earth, and with them the, the blind and the halt or the blind and the lame, the woman with child and her that travaileth with child together. A great company shall return thither. They shall come with, with weeping and with supplications. Will I lead them? I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will, will gather him and keep him, as a shepherd doth his flock. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob, and ransomed him from the hand of him that was a stranger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord, for wheat, and for wine, and for oil, and for the young of the flock, and of the herd, and their soul shall be as a, a watered garden, and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young, young men and old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy, and will comfort them, and make them rejoice from their sorrow. And I will satiate the soul of the priests with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Verse 2, Let all the people of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and those who journey with them be organized into companies with a covenant and promise to keep all the commandments and statutes of the Lord our God. Of the Lord's promise that the Latter-day Latter Israel would walk by the rivers of water in a straight way, the Grand Richard said, in their trek from Nauvoo across the great American desert to the Great Salt Lake Valley, the saints traveled about 600 miles, a thousand kilometers along the North Platte River, as Jeremiah had seen. To this, Bruce R. McConkie added a spiritual interpretation, saying, The way is straight and the course is narrow, but the, but the Lord shall be a father to all who heed the call of Ephraim and walk therein. It was not a series of emigrant wagon trains going west to find and cultivate new lands of which Jeremiah spoke. Rather, it was the gathering remnant of Israel coming together from the various nations of the earth in fulfillment of the promises made to their ancient fathers. It was a people seeking a place of refuge where they could, where they could build a temple to their God. That was by Joseph Fela McConkie. Verse 3, Let the companies be organized into captains of hundreds, captains of fifties, and captains of tens with a president and his two counselors at their head, under the direction of the twelve apostles. And this shall be our covenant, that we will walk in all the ordinances of the Lord. Let each company provide themselves with all the teams, wagons, provisions, clothing, and other necessaries for the journey that, that they can. When, when the companies are organized, let them go to with their might to prepare for those who are to tarry. Let each company with their captains and presidents decide how many go can go next spring then choose out a sufficient number of able-bodied and expert men to take teams seeds and farming utensils to go as pioneers to prepare for putting in spring crops let each company bear an equal proportion according to the dividend or to the to the yeah, dividend of their property in taking the poor the widows the fatherless and the families <clears throat> of those who have gone into the army that the cries of the widow and the fatherless come not up into the ears of the Lord against this people. 
Twelve days after the arrival of President Brigham Young on the banks of the Missouri River, Captain James Allen of the United States Army arrived at Mount Pisgah with a call for the government for four or five companies of volunteers to serve in the Mexican War. He was advised to go to Council Bluffs to see President Young, with whom he met on the 30th of June, 1846. President Young assured him that the volunteers would be furnished. A battalion of 500 men was raised. Though not called upon to fight, the Mormon battalion acquitted themselves honorably, and the pay for their, vo for their service, which went to their families going west, was a manna from heaven. <coughs> Verse 9, let each company prepare houses and fields for raising grain for those who are to remain behind this season, and this is the will of the Lord concerning his people. Let every man use all his influence and property to remove this people to the place where the Lord shall locate a stake of Zion. And if ye do this with a pure heart in all faithfulness, ye shall be blessed. You shall be blessed in your flocks and in your herds and in your fields and in your houses and in your families. Let my servants Ezra T. Benson and Erastus Snow organize a company, and let my servants Orson Pratt and Wilford Woodruff organize a company. Also let my servants Amasa Lyman and George A. Smith organize a company and appoint presidents and captains of hundreds and of fifties and of tens. And let my servants that, are, that, are, that have been appointed go and teach this my will to the saints that they may be ready to go to a land of peace. Go thy Go thy way, and do as I have told you, and fear not thine enemies, for they shall not have power in, to stop my work. Zion shall be redeemed in mine own due time. Reference is to the new Jerusalem and the temple to be built there. As certainly as we have now gone back to Nauvoo to rebuild our temple there, so the saints will return to Jackson County, Missouri, to build a temple to their God, and to fulfill all the associated promises. As Joseph Fielding Smith said, when the Lord gets ready for it to be accomplished, he will command his people and the work will be done. Verse 19, And if any man shall seek to build up himself, and seeketh not my counsel, he shall have no power, and his folly shall be made manifest. Sam Brannan was one of those who sought his own welfare and failed. Verse 20, Seek ye and keep all your pledges, one with another, and covet not that which is thy brother's. Keep yourselves from evil to, to take the name of the Lord in vain, for I am the Lord your God, even the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and, the, and of Isaac and of Jacob. I am he who led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and, am, and my arm is stretched out in the last days to save my people Israel. Anthony W. Ivins said, Recognizing the hopelessness of reconciliation with their neighbors, determined to find a place where the saints could worship the Lord without molestation, this modern Moses and his associates turned their faces westward, and after a journey unparalleled in the history of the world, found asylum in these mountain valleys where the body of the church now resides. It is true that Moses led the Israelites out from the e Egyptian captivity. The Puritans had left their homes in an old world and landed at Plymouth Rock. The impulse which prompted each of these great movements, which have meant so much to the world and its people, were similar, but the circumstances under which they were accomplished entirely different. The Israelites were going out from a grievous and humiliating bondage and returning to their old home in the land of their fathers. Modern Israel were leaving their homes, the lands of their fathers, and were going into a country unknown to them, a country uninhabited by civilized man. The Israelites were a people of one race, influenced in their accomplishment by their, of their purpose by the traditions and religion of their, of their fathers. The Latter-day Saints were composed of people gathered from various nations, bringing with them different traditions, 
different customs and different languages. Ancient Israel were separated from their destination by only about 250 miles in a direct line, and that over a country where great armies have marched from remote times. The Mormon pioneers traveled over a road where few had gone before, a distance of more than a thousand miles. Ancient Israel were led by a great ocular demonstration of the power of the Lord, and their daily bread was provided by manna sent down from heaven. The Mormon pioneers walked by divine faith and provided for their daily necessities with their labor of their own hands. Reaching their destination, ancient Israel found cities already built, orchards and vineyards already planted, and flocks and herds which the Lord delivered into their hands. Modern Israel found a desert waste which could only be redeemed and made productive by infinite toil. So I feel justified in saying that this accomplishment was no parallel in the history of the world. Verse 23, cease to contend one with another, cease to speak evil one of another, cease drunkenness, and uh, let your words tend to edifying one another. They were still not under the commandment to live the word of wisdom. Verse 25, if thou borrowest of thy neighbor, thou shalt restore that which thou hast borrowed, and if thou canst not repay, then go straightway and tell thy neighbor, lest he condemn thee. If thou shalt find that which thy neighbor has lost, thou shalt make diligent search till thou shalt deliver it to him again. Thou shalt be diligent in, pre in preserving what thou hast, that thou mayest be a wise steward, for it is the, the free gift of the Lord thy God, and thou art his steward. If thou art merry, praise the Lord with singing, with music, with dancing, and with a, with a prayer of th praise and thanksgiving. David O. McKay said, On the plains, after a day's march, the wagons were drawn up in a circle. A man with the violin would take his place by the campfire, and there on the prairie the sturdy pioneers would join hands in a dance, opening it by prayer, and participate in amusement that fostered the spirit of the gospel. Two years had not passed after their entrance into the valley before they built the Bowery, and, they, and there presented undoubtedly the first drama that was ever given in the West. Later they built the social hall. Perhaps there are those in the audience today who, after listening to the opening prayer, joined hands in the cotillion, dancing in a spirit best understood by the remarks of President Brigham Young, who once said in substance, the atmosphere of the dance should be such that if any elder be called upon or be called from the party to go to administer to a sick person, he would leave the same spirit that he would go from his elders' quorum meeting. Joseph Fielding Smith said, have, ye, have we any right as Latter-day Saints who profess to keep the commandments of the Lord to open our dances without prayer or other amusements and to close them in, in improper hours and without prayer? Have we that right, professing to be Latter-day Saints, keeping the commandments of the Lord? I say unto you, no. It makes no difference whether it is pleasure, whether it is our daily labor, whether it is, it is the service of the Lord in teaching the gospel and trying to save mankind. Whatever it may be, that thing should be consecrated by prayer and every performance for the welfare of our souls. Verse 29, if thou art, I guess that's why we start basketball, church basketball games with prayer so that a fight can begin and end with a word of prayer. Sorry, just kidding. Verse 29, if thou art sorrowful, call on the Lord thy God with supplication that your souls may be joyful. Fear not thine enemies, for they are in mine hands, and I will do my pleasure with them. Charles Penrose wrote, when the Lord commenced this work, he, com he commenced it for the last days and for the last time. 
It will not be thrown down or given to another people. It is to endure and abide forever. And instead of being overcome by the things of this world, it is to be overcome. We are. It is to overcome them. It will conquer. It will endure. It matters not what may be brought against it. It will prevail, for it is the work of the Lord, and it is a marvelous work and a wonder. Let us not turn to the right or to the left through. The influences of that evil one who deceives the nations. Many people will fail. Many persons will turn aside and they will endeavor to lead others astray. But this work will continue onward and it will overcome everything that arises in its path. It will revolutionize the world. Brigham Young said, Dear brethren, we are sensible that the account of the death of the prophet and patriarch of the church will be painful to your ears. It is to ours. We feel and mourn their loss, but they have sealed their testimony with their blood. They have not counted their lives as dear unto themselves as the lives of the, of the church. They have died in the Lord, and their works will follow them. The eyes of the Lord are upon those who have shed the blood of the Lord's anointed, and he will judge them with a righteous judgment. Let the saints cultivate a meek and quiet spirit, and all things shall be in the end work together for your good. Verse 31, My people must be tried in all things, that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them, even the glory of Zion, and he that will not bear chastisement is not worthy of my kingdom. Let him that is ignorant learn wisdom by humbling himself and calling upon the Lord his God, that his eyes may be opened, that he may see, and his ears opened, that he may hear. For my spirit is sent forth into the world to enlighten the humble and contrite, and to the condemnation of the ungodly. Thy brethren have rejected you and your testimony, even the nation that has driven you out." The saints were driven out of the United States. Remember, they went to the Rocky Mountains where there was no United States yet. And now cometh the day of their calamity, even the days of the sorrow like a woman, the days of sorrow like a woman that is taken in travail, and their sorrow shall be great unless they speedily repent, yea, very, very speedily. This prophecy finds at least partial fulfillment in the Civil War, which began 15 years later. Beach Roberts said, That is what the people of the United States did when they rejected from habitation among them, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and expatriated the membership thereof, so that they were under the necessity of finding a refuge in a land which, at the time, was fathers, which our fathers entered it, the Salt Lake Valley, was no part of the United States of America, but was Mexican territory. Listen to this. It is a revelation that we do not often refer to, but it has some very choice gems in it. It is the word and will of the Lord to President Brigham Young, given at winter quarters, and among other things, this is this was said, Thy brethren have rejected you and your testimony, even the nation that has driven you out. And now cometh the day of their calamity, even the days of sorrow, like a woman which is taken in travail. So I already said that. I think our country at that time did not repent of the wrongs they had done in this and other things, for this proclamation was immediately followed by the war with Mexico, in which at least those regiments that were selected from western Illinois, one of them at least, was well nigh wiped out of existence in the war with Mexico, and it was about the only disastrous engagement that we had in that war. Then followed the awful war between 1861 and 1865, in which, as I believe, the, the hand of God severely punished the United States of America in fulfillment of the wonderful prediction that was made by the prophet Joseph Smith in relation to the calamities that would befall the nation. Since the Civil War, the United States has been involved in numerous major wars, including the Spanish-American War, World War, World Wars I and II, the Korean and Vietnam Wars, and the, and the Gulf War, nor 
has war been the only means of vexation? Depressions, natural disasters, and other calamities have plagued the nation. The nations. The, pro- the prophetic promise is that if the people of this nation do not serve the God of the land, <clears throat> who is Jesus Christ, they will be swept off. As yet, there has been no nationwide repentance for past and present sins, and so the Lord continues to vex the people of the United States, seeking to bring them to repentance. Verse 36, For they killed the prophets and them that were sent unto them, and they have shed innocent blood, which cried from the ground against them. Therefore marvel not at these things, for ye are not yet pure. Ye cannot yet bear my glory, but ye shall behold it if ye are faithful in in keeping all my words that I have given you from the days of Adam to Abraham, from Abraham to Moses, and from Moses to Jesus and his apostles, and from Jesus and his apostles to Joseph Smith, whom I did call upon by mine angels, my ministering servants, and by mine own voice out of the heavens to bring forth my work, which foundation he did lay and was faithful, and I took him to myself. Many have marveled because of his death, but it was needful that he should seal his testimony with his blood, that he might be honored and the wicked might be condemned. Having established a dispensation of the gospel here, and having conferred all of the keys, powers, and authorities that he held upon the twelve, the prophet in his death then took those same powers with him into the world of the spirits, where he commenced a dispensation of the gospel there. Teaching this principle, Charles Penrose said, When the prophet Joseph and his brother Hiram were slain for the testimony of Jesus, it was in the providence of God. It was with his permission. They went to open the door of the kingdom in the spirit world, and thus a marvelous work and wonder has begun there also. When we get there, we will find out the magnitude of it, for we will see that the elders of Zion, who have tabernacled in the flesh, are laboring there under the direction of him who holds the keys of the last dispensation, and the gospel is being preached to millions upon millions of spirits, and a far greater work is to be accomplished there than among men in the flesh. Verse 40, Have I not delivered you from your enemies only in that I have left a witness of my name? Now therefore hearken, O ye people of my church, and ye elders listen together, you have received my kingdom. Be diligent in keeping all my commandments, lest judgments come upon you, and your faith fail you, and your enemies triumph over you. Amen. Francis Lyman said, Then I exhort you to be faithful, to be humble. Do not neglect any duty that devolves upon you. Whenever you neglect your prayers, you are on dangerous ground. Whenever you neglect to worship the Lord and break the Sabbath day, you are on dangerous ground. Whenever you neglect to deal righteously and honestly by any person in the world, you are on dangerous ground and in danger of falling into the grasp of Satan. You cannot afford to do it. Satan has great power in the world, and he is more anxious about this little body of people gathered in these mountains than about any nation on the earth. Why? Because these people have the priesthood of God. They have the ordinances of the gospel. They have the power of God for salvation to the world. Hence, he is agitated, and he agitates others and stirs them up with prejudice and evil thoughts against the Latter-day Saints. We have the Church of Christ, and it will remain. You and I may get shaky, we may fall away, but this church will endure, for it is established and planted here by our Father who is in heaven. It does not depend upon any one man or any number of men. The Lord has chosen spirits that have been sent here for the very work that has to be accomplished. Let us develop the fact in our lives that we are among those that the Lord has selected to come here and perform his work. 
Heber J. Grant said, I say to the Latter-day Saints, no amount of knowledge, no amount of testimony, no amount of sealing in the temples of God to our wives and children will save us, but, but the keeping of the commandments of God, being honest in our dealings with God and with our fellow men, paying our tithing, obeying the word of wisdom, and doing our duty as Latter-day Saints. These are the things and the only things that will save us. It's also, uh, which he didn't mention, I guess, but should be said, is that the atonement of Christ, no matter all these things that we do, it's the atonement of Christ that saves us. So no more at present. Amen and amen. I bear testimony that these things are true and that this was the revelation that was received by Brigham Young uh, to uh, help the saints get to the Rocky Mountains. I bear testimony that these things are true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. So long.